Welcome to Less Than 10, an EVE Online small gang PvP podcast. I'm here, uh, Blood Ruin, with Feral. Feral, say hey. Hey, guys. And a guest, our first guest, Joe Castus, a member of Kronos Ritual and uh, one of our senior leadership in Kronos. Say hey, Joe Castus. hi So, Joe Castus, go ahead and uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, hey, all the listeners out there. Uh... Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I'm Joe Costas. I've been playing Eve since, uh, I'm looking at the screen right now, May 14th, 2003. So I I've, I've just did the math on my computer. It's 16 years. Uh, <laughs> it's way too long <laughs> to have been playing a video game. It makes me a little sad. But um, I guess I'll I'll go through the, the general podcast thing and kind of say where I came from and how I grew in the game. Uh, basically joined the game. The game is being fleshed out. Things were crazy. Uh, high sec was up. Low sec was down. Everything was backwards. And then it kind of fleshed itself out over years. I don't have to go through the whole thing. Uh, so I started PvPing and I really had no understanding of what was going on. The grid was confusing. Everything was confusing. I was blowing up. Um, I tried to learn and EVE is a really, really difficult game to learn. Um, uh, so I basically started going out on my my own um, just to force myself to learn the game. And it was incredibly depressing because you go and you jump and you jump and you run into something and you die in 20 seconds and you don't know what, what really happened. Um, I started kind of understanding the grid more when I actually would just record myself and go back and watch what happened. I mean, all, all major sports teams do this. Um, it makes sense to be able to look back at the footage and see what happened and from different angles and, or not different angles, but you know what I mean? From a different, slower perspective. Perspective. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I was in a wormhole group called new signature and they did a lot of wormhole stuff, which is fine, but it, I don't like to brawl, really. I feel really stuck and contained, and I like to move around. So I would jump out the null sex, and uh, I really enjoyed that. And uh, Griffius, the CEO of Kronos Ritual, and I ended up branching off and starting the Kronos Ritual in a C2 uh, with a static null so that we could have what is, in my opinion, over the last 16 years, the most fun time I've had in EVE Online with this constant... Uh, uh, content generation of the Nullsec. And we're really excited to have Jocastus on because the show we have lined up for you guys today, first off, we're going to kind of talk about getting into small gangs. So you've kind of all hear, heard our stories about how we got into it. Well, we're going to go through modern day Eve. You know, so let's say you're a new player or even a, a player that's not experienced in small gang and you want to get into it. What does that look like for you? Next, we're going to talk about um, a whole bunch of stuff about fitting which is the main one of the main reasons we have Jocastus here is I really like a lot of the fits he flies and we'll uh, have a lot of really good perspective there. And then lastly, we're going to talk about communication and target calling in small gang. 
Uh, Jocastus mentioned he's been around the Cronus Ritual since it started, and quite often he's one of the guys um, when we're flying nano gangs, kind of directing. Since you're never really FCing, it's more directing, and we'll get into that too. So, yeah, I always think of it as kind of shot calling. We have these individuals within small gang who are maybe more vocal or kind of coordinating, but everyone there is definitely like communicating and participating in the fight in terms of conversation. So I think Jocastus is kind of one of those shot callers uh, for our for our group a lot of the time. For sure. Yeah. I think the goal on those grids is really to have everyone kind of understand the movement and you want to see that flock of birds or school of fish kind of movement as everyone kind of moves on their own without being anchored. And then they know to get out of the way if a jaguar is ramming, but then someone in the gang has to say, shoot this thing. And that's where I end up saying most of the stuff. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. So we'll kind of get into uh, the first topic I mentioned of getting in a small gang. So we'll just give a, a kind of overview of who's the who's out there flying small gang, who are the guys that you know, you're going to see really awesome battle reports from and videos, like the more prominent corpse in the community. And if we forget someone, a million apologies doesn't mean you're not a great player we just uh are dumb yeah i'm sure there's going to be a lot of low sec groups that we're not going to necessarily mention because we don't interact with them or they don't come to our frame of reference but there's tons of small gang groups out there these are just the most notable notable ones that we know of and that we communicate with consistently so so yeah uh Obviously, there's us, the Kronos Ritual. Um, there's also Tuskers, great alliance tournament team, and also just great small gang. And they have a really interesting application process um, and interesting requirements. They're mostly European time zone. Um, Integritas live in a C2 null, I believe. Uh, and they have some, some really interesting dudes who uh, make great content um people like Btron and oris uh i can never pronounce his last name but everyone just calls him ap um but if you want to like check out his youtube content or anything like that just uh youtube search for legionnaire and i'm sure you'll find him and then hydra uh they have gone by many different names but the hydra reloaded guys from way back when um they've been in goran clade and now their current group is new order outreach division and they they do a lot of the pioneering the leshak core stuff um and and hunting and killing supers and um really innovative dudes and it's worth noting that hydra was the home of everyone's uh small ganger that they love to hate which was chesser until he quit recently so i'll just throw that in a lot of you guys that you know if you haven't heard much of small gang you've probably heard of chesser and uh, then as far as wormhole groups, I actually flew with MCOW for like two months before joining Kronos Ritual, and they do some nano. Um, they're good dudes. I really respect them. They also do a lot of in-wormhole chain content uh, and rolling. They're in a C5 with a C5 static, but they do enjoy roaming out into null and doing nano within their wormhole chain. Um, so they're, they're good dudes there. Um, and another group that I've flown with for a while uh is rope capel 
They live in Losec and they do NPSI fleets as well as obviously they're recruiting and um, are happy to invite people in and they're very knowledgeable and uh, enjoyable people to fly with. So I highly recommend those dudes as well. If you're looking to get into a group or get involved with people but not necessarily join their corp, um, I think groups like that are you know, fantastic resources to learn from and get experience and just kind of hang out in their channels and talk with them. And I'm sure they will say, Hey, we've got a room going out and, you know, whenever they get something together. Yeah. I think those, those kind of groups are definitely ones that you should have a bit of small gang experience before joining. I don't want to speak for them, but I, I doubt uh, most of them are, are kind of recruiting new to small gang players. But if you are new, um, some kind of, groups you could be looking to join is in in uh, the Kronos ritual you've had quite a few people that kind of grew up in pandemic horde and then like just due to the nature of us fighting pandemic horde uh, our guys got to see their names come up again and how they fly and see them improve and then eventually we totally just poached them uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much we were like hey dude uh we're not killing you as much uh you want to come hang out with us so that's good. So that's kind of one way. And uh, Pandemic Horde is a really well structured new player group and lots of, you know, old experienced players there too to kind of help you out. So if you are like super new to the game or you want to also give Nullsec stuff a try, you know, Pandemic Horde or alternatively be brave or something like that would, uh, would kind of get you some small gang experience as well because a lot of the small gang groups go to their staging systems to fight them. So you would just be joining the response fleets. And uh, really, I mean, any even if you're in any Nullsec alliance, just uh, find a buddy or someone in your alliance that maybe has done some small gang or you can get some in- information from, some knowledge. And uh, and just go go out with them in small gang and, and get some experience that way. It's all about having the mindset. That's what small gang is. It's a mindset of going out, you know, looking for fights, taking fights, flying smart and then trying to improve so yeah i think a a good mindset to stay in 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 this aspect aspect of the game is be ready to be sad uh because you're a smaller number on grid typically against a larger number um because who who honestly like in in real life you can you can equate the fights in Eve to to real life very very simply like if if someone comes into your home and they're bigger than you would you rather engage them one on one at at the sun which I guess would be the oven in your house and or or bring ten of your friends and beat the ever loving crap out of them and then that's what happens in Eve and people get upset but that's that's just social that's uh, tribe warfare. Uh, it's it's built in it makes sense so if you join these and you're interested in the small gang thing um one thing that helped me because you just go out there like i had said earlier and you you just get beat up sometimes and it's it's kind of a downer and you're like why why am i playing this game where they just demolish me all the time and well and and while you learn and then you watch a video on youtube of Lussy Lou or Chesser or someone just destroying everybody. But if you go to their Z kill pages and look through their history, you can see that the um, 
dreadnought fight where they killed 10 other dreadnoughts and 100 subcaps or something ridiculous. They lost three dreadnoughts before that to Titan drops or super drops or, or some crazy Kestrel gang that <laughs> 200 man something. <laughs> and you kind of get a perspective of, okay, it takes, it takes a minute to actually get this content and stick with it. Yeah. And you really got to put yourself out there. You can't just expect it to fall into your lap. Like you have to get out there and, you know, make it happen essentially. Well, and I think this is where uh, Joe Castus, you brought up CC when we were just hanging out and talking, which neither Feral or I had really thought about, but in terms of getting consistent, like repeatable content, if there's people on CC and you jump on there, right? Like there's, there's no assets of yours at stake. There's nothing to risk. So you can just try out tons of different fits. You and a buddy can go tackle an avatar that's out there bosoning and you learn like, Hey, is there a way I can survive on grid with an avatar or whatever it may be? Um, and you can just dick around with really no repercussion. And I think that's like immensely valuable. And if you die, you dock up, you get in that same ship again, and you go again 30 seconds later and try to change something. So I think that's a really cool resource. Yeah, CC is one of the most underutilized uh, things in EVE Online, I, I, I think. Um, and I think a lot of people get discouraged from practicing on CC uh, because they either don't bring a friend uh, to CC or they warp their Fed Navy Comet to CA1, which is combat area, I think, one. And there's like three Titans there. And, you know, how are you going to practice? What are you going to do to that? But you can spend time on CC um, uh, manually orbiting rats at an asteroid belt. Uh, practicing your logi skills on a ship that's not even allied with you on CC. You just exist on grid giving shield reps to some random rattlesnake that's getting pounded by three other guys and evading them. Uh, practice your interceptors or, or frigate skills by weaving in and out of these shots and see, see what angles are actually best to approach a turret ship and not get one shot by it. Or how fast do I need to be moving to outrun a Caracal's missiles? Um, all those things are com completely free and practicable on CC. And they also recently added every module into CC as to where before you, you didn't have access to them most of the time. So yeah. Easier. There's a lot of creature comforts there. Like they've, you know, multi-fit's been in the game for a while, but you know, you have multi-fit, you have all these tools to get you going. And I've heard a lot of people in the past say like, oh, well, CC isn't TQ. It's not the same. And well, you know, th that is true, but like we mentioned, you warp and there's two avatars in CA1, like it's as close to tranquility as it's ever been. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you're not going to get the same variety of ships around. Like people might be flying way more expensive stuff now. Like you might see a lot more Ike Tursas than you would actually see on TQ, but then you get to learn a lot from that. Um, I flew with Big Miker for like two years or so, and he and a friend, really good friend, Ramana Erebus, and a couple other dudes would be on CC. And that's, they weren't doing so much like going to the combat areas, but they were, what they would do is concentrated testing of a fit and really learning like how much damage does a nightmare mitigate from super fighters, you mm -hmm. know, and just really kind of like for those guys at extreme levels, they have a lot of knowledge to build off of, but they would go into very fine detail. 
um, alliance tournament teams get into practices and start really testing minute details of bomb explosions and you know can you how many missile volleys can you firewall with a smart bomb like these really intricate things that it's hard to tell from just looking or or messing around in pifa and you can learn a ton from having a resource available like cc um and then yeah interacting with other players that are there even if it's super one-sided it's better than sitting in station and spinning your ship you know uh, and you can play TQ and CC at the same time. So if you have multiple monitors or something like, you know, you could do an AFK VNI. Well, that's going to change, but you could do something ratting and make money on TQ while you're not losing any money PVPing on CC or something like yeah, that. For sure. Yeah, I know we're talking about CC a lot, but I think one of the best things CC gives uh, any player really looking to get into PVP is grid time. Uh, so a lot of times when we're outnumbered on a grid uh you warp away and on cc you have you have um no reason to warp away because there's no loss everything costs 100 disc on cc and you can just detonate some ship and get you know the, the uh insurance payout and you have more risk uh infinitely um and so the grid time and the nullification of the reaction to warp away and not stay on grid and see what can be done is what CC is great for. It's also repeatable, right? So one thing, when I used to be in Noir, Noir, we had an academy training corp, and I would take guys on CC all the time. We had classes with other instructors in in the corp. And, uh, you know, I'd get in an arty cinnable, and I'd be like, all right, Interceptor, come tackle me from 100. And uh, we'd teach them how to spiral, and, you know, they would just get instead over and over again until they got the hang of it it's it's repeatable and you you can like learn those skills that are super important in a repeatable controlled environment it's you know oh yeah i learned how to kite in a slicer because finteru uh my ceo and rifterlings got on cc with me and he was in an atron and i was in a slicer his atron had no guns but had you know mwd scram web and he would be like all right well you start out at like 80 you come on in and you start shooting me and i'm gonna try and catch you it's up to you to figure out how i'm gonna do that and you know every uh, first 10 15 times he just got in and got scram web and you know slingshotted me or whatever or got away and then eventually i start kind of picking up or we talk about yeah try coming in at a little less aggressive of an angle and watch for me to turn and stuff like that and that's how i learned how to kite essentially in in a slicer <laughs> yeah. yeah all right so that's that's sissy i mean it's uh it's very easy to get on it you just google eve online sissy s-i-s-i and you can figure it out um aside from that i mean other resources for someone just getting into small gang um if you're not cool with like leaving your corp kind of thing and joining one of those dedicated groups um there's the micro gang help channel in game the bringing solo back channel in game both those have tons of people that are you know just doing solo pvp small gang pvp so you can uh you know see, just chat in there and chat with people and ask questions generally people are pretty helpful there's also on discord there's the uh eve subreddit discord which you know the general sections maybe i wouldn't recommend but there's a solo pvp section in in that discord uh that is pretty good so you can ask questions in there, ask about fits, that kind of stuff. 
Speaking of fits, we'll get into our main topic today, which is, like I mentioned, just fitting. Um, we're going to talk about fitting stuff against the meta and some of the more unorthodox fits that uh, that you'll see. So it's easy enough to just, you know, like, oh, um, yeah, that, that Blood Ruin, he PVPs, and I like I like what he does. His Z-Kill board looks fancy. So I'm going to look at his losses, and I'm going to just buy all in Jita and go fly that. And that's that's, that's not the best road. idea. Yeah. One, as you kind of mentioned when we were chatting, Jocastus, is a lot of the times experienced guys are flying pretty blingy stuff. And so it's going to hurt to go out and lose it over and over and over again, which is going to happen, let's be honest. <laughs> so there's much better ways to kind of go about that. But I just, this, so Jocastus, why don't you kind of like dive us into this about some of the unorthodox fits that you've made and flown and uh and how you you've used them sure uh i just wanted to say real quick about checking z kill i i think it's totally fine to check z kill and the problem that i went and ran into when i was first learning is how we go to like the master pilot 101 z kill page the person with the bajillion kills and look at their fit and it was three billion isk and had 48 seconds of cap and um i had no idea how they were existing on grid with that and so you can just take those fits and tailor them more towards your isk level and comfort on grid and that's a good way to start you can also use the tech one versions of things to manipulate your way into learning how the tech two variant handles a little bit there's two fits that i've seen you fly and you've flown them very well and i think they're very interesting and not the standard the first is the shield nester and the second is the 1400 artillery mccarial and you use them in totally different ways and i'm kind of curious why you fly each one in its various situation and what are like some of the use cases or the times you've seen them be really effective and kind of, uh, you know, why you enjoy flying them or whatever. Sure. Sure. So, um, I, uh, oh, this is, this is going to sound so badass. I use ship as, as tools only for my, uh, so basically I'll, I'll see a situation on, on grid. So with the nester, it, it, it is the nester, original idea was if someone pings nester tackled or nester on in home system or something it's going to get a lot more response than atron in home system and financially it's a burden for me but it's a huge gain for the corporation if i can get content to undock so that was honestly the first reason behind it the second was um it's an interesting ship and it's difficult to approach because of its slot layout its bonuses and it, it's it's a lot like going into scram anosis you're like how the hell is this thing going to be fit um and most of the time nesters you know at least from what i've seen are used as logi boats um so i slapped three heavy newts and th two medium newts uh, on this ship, uh, 500 mm micro warp drive 
an MJD, uh, some hyperspatials, and it warps faster than most of my cruisers, has an align time of like three point something seconds. And then I put geckos in the cargo and it does like 700 DPS. Um, and I put a point in a web on it because I like to be in close helping my, my gang and like, and who's going to expect that? I mean, if you see a nester 22 kilometers off of your gang, you're like, Oh, awesome. Free nester kill. And then when it shock newts, anything on grid almost with three heavy newts points and webs it, and then starts applying DPS, it, it's, uh, surprising. And, um, to have that, that bit of surprise and unexpected nature to a ship, uh, gives you just a momentary edge sometimes, uh, on grid and, and can, can you do this with every ship? Sure. You could, you know, fit them oddly or something. Are they as, as effective? No. Um, uh, in, in certain cases, and I could go into a big diatribe about that, but I won't. And Nestor also was great for wormholes because I only put like 70, uh, or seven bajillion or whatever it is, tons on the wormhole instead of a hundred bajillion. And, uh, it's, it's surprisingly fast and fun. That's you, like, I took one out and after I lo- saw your Nestor fit, I mean, we we had a bad experience with it, with both of ours dying that time. That was more due to <laughs> well, who we were flying it against. But I it, was it did generate the content. It, it did generate content, for them. <laughs> but like it it is fast. This thing is a fucking cruiser. Like it has cruiser align time. It does fly a little odd under MWD. It doesn't like uh, accelerate and carry speed like a cruiser would it's it's a little different but it is it is fast and it is agile um for a battleship it, it was very interesting to fly and yeah. i'm guessing you choose a macario for a similar reason with the warp speed bonus but use it in a different way with the alpha strike of 1400s uh that's kind of right i so i you know i didn't i didn't invent the 1400 uh no no but you land in small gang which is unusual you know it's yeah if people see a macarial on grid with a jackdaw retribution and a hyena you know they're going to think it's an 800 or 650 millimeter point web macarial and i brought it into the you know i've flown the 800 millimeter macarial as well it's a wonderful ship and I, but i brought this one into the hole pretty much specifically to fight ranger regiment and fraternity because or or other nano gangs, but that's just who we run into a lot. But the the beauty of the fourteen hundred millimeter cannon, along with a like thirty eight hundred meter per second heated speed, the transversal match is amazing, even with frigates. So I can one shot most other nano ships because you know they're they're fit for speed, not tank. Uh, with this ship and you can fly it in optimal, which is like 39 kilometers uh, for the EMP. And with the speeds that it reaches in its agility, you can transversal match without having to be 200 kilometers away. Um, and, uh, you know, for that first person who gets shot at it, I'm, I'm sure it's a surprise. So I, so when I, I've seen you use this twice to great success, the first one was the, you know, it was less of a big brain play, but 
you know, Ranger Regiment was camping a gate, like hugging the gate, I should say. And I started tickling a Vagabond with my Zealot from like Aurora meme range, 110-ish. Pushed him into half shield and then the 1400s volleyed him half shield to zero. He couldn't do anything. He didn't even really see it coming. So that was, you know, just a simple, easy frag. But tell us a story about the Jaguar that you then killed because that was something else. Set the stage for that and, and let everyone know about that Jag kill. Oh, it's personal. I think a lot of people have this as a personal vendetta against Jaguars. But uh, so their Jaguar had warped in at range and was going to get um, warp ends for them, basically. Um, and I really like, yeah, I think one of the better things that they did for battleships was increase their targeting range because with the battleship comes an MJD most of the time because of the fitting and room and, and slot layouts. And if you can lock a ship before you MJD, uh, you know, that's instantaneous point web scram damage or whatever you're going for the moment you reach them. And, uh, this Jaguar was burning about 5,000 or whatever meters per second that they normally go, uh, off in the distance. I can't remember exactly. I think it was like 190 kilometers away. So I heated, um, and started burning towards uh, him at a cutoff angle because he was to my side and so I was leading him basically and uh, this material has a targeting range bonus uh, or a, a sensor booster on it so I, I can't remember but it can lock out to like 250 kilometers or something stupid because it also has an ionic rig on it and um, so locked him up led him with the MJD uh, ended up about 50 or something kilometers away from him at that time uh, and he, uh, I, I basically, when it's a frigate on grid, and I, I've sort of already lined up the transversal, I'm just watching on my overview, the little transversal numbers. And the Jag, if he had kept going, would have had a better chance, but he saw a Macarial landing close to him, and he turned to get me, and the transversal dropped below 500, and he was gone. See, and it's... It's one of those moments, like, if you told me that a 1400 Macarial already to Jaguar, like, at 50 kilometers, I'd be like, man, that Jaguar pilot was flying terribly. But really, it was just, like, a, a really sick play with the MJD and getting him to turn and his transversal dropping so much. It, it was like, man, I've never volleyed a Jaguar 100 to zero, but that's got to be an amazing feeling. <laughs> Like you say, it's personal. <laughs> Fuck Jaguar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand why people fly them because they are incredible. But man, oh man, it sucks when they're on grid. <laughs> like the fucking anti-content uh, <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I personally, th there's two issues in EVE that I am all riled up about. And it's Jaguars and Citadels. But, uh, but so those are both two fits that I think you fly because they're fun. And they have like this role that is kind of effective. But there's also times we can fit ships in ways to maybe get a fight that wouldn't happen. You kind of mentioned it a bit with the nester being something that's going to provoke a more aggressive response from people. I, in the past, used to fly ships that I felt were underpowered or were um, viewed oh, yeah. as maybe weaker. and and it was the opposite i was hoping for i was hoping for people to be like oh no worries i can take care of this or me and my one buddy can take care of this and we don't need to call in the t the 10 dudes um and so ships like stabber that 
with an XLASB, um, depending on the situation, can be really powerful. But it, you know, you're you're not flying a Navy cruiser or something that you know an Osprey Navy that has a very specific, well-known role for kiting, and so uh, it kind of might encourage people to to bring different ships to fight you or uh, you know ship down to fight you, and and so that's another way you can manipulate that bidding choice onto a or just ship choice to try and get fights as opposed to their you know being the best in class ship and being the most effective ship yeah i used to fly an xlasb blaster moa and it was the same idea it was scramweb mwd and it was basically like all right you're gonna like it, it was a brawling ship and i remember my best kill in it was a vagabond and this was kind of before vagabond settled into the heavy shield boost meta that they're in now because most vegas are that fit and uh the whole dual lse vega fit was still kind of lingering even though it was post changes to it so this dude that i found in losec wanted to fight me in his vegas so i i you know was like, let's do this and uh just kind of shot in and got a scram he was obviously long point dual lse like i said and as soon as i got that scram got my blasters just heated heated them and manage my charges in the Ansel well and I solo killed a hack in a T1 cruiser so you know you can kind of take those risks especially with T1 cruisers because they're you know third most of them are about 30 mil fit like a good solid fit 30 mil whatever who cares it's just 30 mil yeah I actually really like the Gnosis they're now down to I think 28 or something for the hole and the fun thing with the Gnosis is they're just they're very generic in terms of bonuses but that means you can fit them a lot of different ways you can do a lot of different things with them and they're really cheap and fun so and you can get some crazy damage out of the net like with some blasters and double web and all that kind of stuff like you're gonna die to a gnosis yeah a jaguar comes at you i mean that's three times the price you're probably gonna kill them Yeah, it's pretty cool. The the, the Praxis is also kind of falls into the same boat where it's it's very affordable battleship hull that you can kind of learn how to brawl and stuff with. Yeah, basically with the the fits that I fly, um, I'm just trying to fill a hole. I guess that's every every guy's dream. Uh, funny, <laughs> hey funny, funny joke. There. <laughs> no, but really, like you know, there's not many people in the small gang, so. A lot of times we're either lacking DPS or a way to hold something down. Um, or a content magnet, as you said or, before. Or a content magnet, yeah. And so the Nestor has the, the all the newts so that I don't have to do too much DPS. I can just turn their tank off. Therefore, the 1,000 DPS that our gang is rocking can will cut it. And then the Macarial is meant to just push right through the tank. And then the uh, all the ships then have to cater to the speed of my gang because a lot of times we're out escalated, and the place where a lot of people die is when you're trying to tactically air quote retreat. And if you're, I mean, if you're the the content magnet battleship and you're trying to retreat from jaguars and sabers and you're aligning at 12 seconds and warping at 2 AU, like you, you're going to get caught and you, and you and the rest of your gang that's not able to exist on the grid is going to is going to have to leave you. 
So hyperspatials and nanos and all these things that turn your battleship's EHP into a cruiser or battlecruiser um, and are counterintuitive to the hulls sometimes can, can be a real bonus to movement and staying out of the path of the pursuing blob and um, having some interesting fights. Because, I mean, especially when people start to learn what the small gang ship meta is, which we talked about in episode two, if you haven't listened to it, go listen. But even like the people, kind of the NullSec alliances in their staging systems, they know what that is. And when they see something really strong come at them, when they see all those S-tier ships we talked about come at them, you know, their brain instantly goes, let's counter it, right? So when you can fit against the meta and make your ships perform well, like still be able to do the job, less effectively but on that scale where it it becomes in your favor where your enemies aren't just going to be like all right we need three loki's slash rapiers we need you know we need 17 sinos and four titans let's do this yeah and when you're flying those big ships i think it's kind of important to this can kind of be a transition in a sense the communication with your group has to be pretty important like pretty key because your ship in and of itself may not be as defensive or may not be capable. Like the 1400 Mac, if there's a Jaguar that gets to zero on you, uh, that's not something that it can deal with, right? So your gang has to support it and enable it to be effective on grid as well. For sure. That'd be a pretty embarrassing kill mail. I mean, it would probably happen if, you know, you're taking gates a couple jumps behind or something like that. Like, it could happen easily. Those 1400s do not track anything that's moving close up. Dude, I've killed 1400 tornadoes in a stiletto with a single auto cannon on it. Exactly. Like it's that. Yeah, it's that's pretty rough. So that's kind of like the gang against the meta. But one thing that I like to do with with fits when I'm flying solo is um, I kind of I've flown a lot of hunter ships where i'm hunting ratters and a lot of time vnis and no it's not exciting to do that but as we mentioned in previous episodes a lot of time when you go out and tackle a vni you can get a response especially when you're one dude especially when you're one dude that's on an intel channel as one fucking dude and you tackle a vni um so one of the ships i use to to do this is my legion um so i'll tell you what the fit is right now it's it's pretty you can mix and match stuff a little bit but it's the basics are it's, it's a rapid light drone legion um obviously cobops cloak and then one of the you can either use dual medium newts or a single medium newt and probes expanded combat probes and then the mids are kind of lacking you only have three uh so it's a long point of mwd and a cap large cap battery and then the lows you fit a nano um uh a Dead Space Rep, uh, a Dead Space or Faction Enam, and then depending on how much ISK you want to spend, um, I use dual C3Xs, the ballistic control systems that also give you drone damage, and then a damage control. And you can kind of adjust those lows if you don't want the damage control. You can use a reactive armor hardener if you want, um, or dual uh, Enams, whatever. That's the gist of it. In the the rigs, I use dual polys and uh, hyperspatial. And what this allows me to do is roam around solo with a cloak, uh, warping quite quickly, aligning quite quickly, tackling VNIs. And a lot of the times, I'll just put my drones on the VNI. Don't even shoot missiles at them, because I'll take a VNI kill. But I'm hoping that 
they're going to send some small shit at me. And uh, those rapid lights annihilate frigates. We're talking about this Legion does, with the drones and the missiles, you're talking about like over 700 DPS no heat with faction missiles, not even with raid. So you can really pour into someone. And, uh, you know, you don't really see that. It's not strong in small gang, but it's strong in its intended purpose, which is to roam around, kill Ishtar's, Gila's, VNI's, all the cruiser type stuff. You can you could probably kill battleships as long as they don't have an MJD. But, uh, yeah, you just kite away and, and kill stuff. And when frigates land, man, they, they ram you. You light them up with drones. You light them up with dual medium newts, which is effectively three medium newts because of the subsystem. And uh, it's really quick, too. It's, it's a great ship. It's one of my preferred solo kind of just roaming around, see what ha- see what I can find fits. Two of my favorites that kind of go in a similar vein are the hyperfacial, eh, hyperspatial Stratios that's meant for kiting, um, popularized by Stunt Flores, and uh, the Shield Astero that operates in a really similar way. And uh, the the fun thing, especially with the Astero, because it's a frigate, it's small, you can escape a lot of, well, 99% of gate camps. And you can actually, like, fight and kill sabers and stuff. And it's really fun, really fast. You can explore while you're doing it. Um, same with the Stratios. The Stratios is maybe a little bit bigger, and um, you don't move quite as quick. But, uh, you know, killing VNIs, killing Ishtars, Gilas, stuff like that, it's all doable. Uh, and then if things show up to tackle or what have you you have the potential to deal with those as well uh and and they're really fun and you can cover a ton of space and just kind of cruise around like that's when i talk about going on like easy mode pvp like that's usually my ship of choice and i will just roam around in certain areas of nullsec for a couple weeks and i usually end up coming out of it like way ahead with a couple billion iskin loot stashed in random places and <laughs> just i'm like oh okay i guess it's time to go back to what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, that Stratios flies a lot like my Legion. I used to fly it as well. It's it's also a great ship for that for that. So, I think uh, it's important to know, or if you don't know, to help yourself learn with um, fittings and 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 learning grids and what to fight and what not to fight. Like because there are people who have tons of information, like. Uh, Setonia can look at any grid or or, or ship and, and kind of know where he can exist on that grid for exactly how long and what the enemy ship damage is going to be and what his damage is going to be and when he should leave and all those things come with experience. And to get to that experience, um, if you're roaming solo or even in a gang, you kind of have to just play with what you're comfortable with. And what I mean by that is you know, I, I didn't. I didn't immediately go into scram range and web things and and go all in because I knew what I was doing. For a long time, I spent I spent time wishing the Tech Two warp disruptor, which I could afford, um, went to fifty kilometers because that's where I was comfortable sitting on grid. Because if I got any closer, I would make a mistake and uh, get scrammed by something. And so, playing on grid, just existing and becoming more and more comfortable sometimes can include using 
a smaller, faster ship so you can get away that maybe doesn't do as much damage, but you get the experience flying. Or I used to fly back when people used the uh, Confessors and Spitbulls. People still use them, but they they were much better than they are now, uh, arguably. I would fly them 10 in a lot of times because if you're solo or just two of you or something or you're learning, it gives you the opportunity to escape. So if you overprop ships, while it does make your ship bare to fly because they turn at like a 26 second align time, something like that, um, it gives you the opportunity to mess up and get scrammed and then continue to move and learn and react to the grid. And then you can, if you if you like the overpropped ship that keeps you alive in those situations, great. Keep you know continue to do that. If you don't, um, if you if you don't if you can't afford to jump into the 200 mil Garmer with you know a 50k point range, um, and the slicer is too thin for you, there, there are other ships uh, that you can pop into and just practice being on grid and projecting the range like the hook bill. Like you may not get the kill, but you can survive and learn. That long rant is about bringing yourself in from feeling safe at 100 kilometers and shooting to 50 kilometers to 40 to endpoint range and then uh, working your way in rather than diving headlong in, which I think people... Yeah, getting to the end game of drive-by scramming things. Yeah. One of the ships I flew for a while because it was so escapable was actually a 100 MN afterburner phantasm. And Mm -hmm. so it took forever to get to top speed, but it could get to like 6K a second. And I remember at one point I'm fighting and I was kind of already aligned in a specific direction and a rapier decloaked and ends up webbing me. And even then I was, I had enough speed and enough momentum that I was able to escape the rapier webs and point range in order to warp off. And it's like, it was just one of the most survivable ships I think I ever flew. One other ship that I, I haven't flown this myself, but uh, we mentioned Satoni earlier. He made a video on this was a brawling wolf and the wolf has an extremely high em resistance so what he was doing with it with like you think auto cannon scram wolf in small gang solo like well it's not in meta at all but he, he made it meta basically in certain regions and those regions were regions where ratters uh deal em damage so he would go in and just like shrug off any drone, any EM drones, just shrug their damage off like they're nothing. And he got some really, really entertaining fights out of that. So that's kind of one way to look at it as well, is is fitting to your targets, right? Fitting to the region of, of ratters, what they're, what they're shooting. So, Jocastus, I mean, we've now kind of covered some of the unique fits that you, you know, one of the reasons we brought you on or asked you if you wanted to get involved in this episode, and the, the unique fits and, and things, but the other reason we kind of wanted to talk to you is that communication aspect within a gang. Um, and so in a small gang, it's a different communication style and information is spread around very rapidly and, and kind of um, wanted to pick your brain on both communication as well as target calling and you know how to prioritize certain things um what's your kind of perspective on communication in small gang like if you could sum it up what what's the most important thing kind of sure sure so i i think that having 
It, it is really a conversation. There's not one person talking. Um, granted, it, it's not you know a, a lengthy cocktail party worth of conversation. It's 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 saying, can you tackle this guy? And the other guy says, yes. You know, point. Um, but it, it, there is a lot of back and forth, and um, moving away from bigger fleets, uh, where. And, and granted, I, I really haven't done that many big fleets in, in my entire history. I think I've done like two or three. Um, so I don't know if that has changed much since I've done that. But I assume it's 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 mainly one kind of person calling the shots. And in the small gang, you kind of have to know what everyone is doing. So if if you're maneuvering in to get point on something and put damage on, if I if you if we call this all right, everybody shoot this retribution. Hopefully you hear from, let's say there's four people in the gang, including the FC, you hear three other people say damage on. That lets the FC know, okay, well, the damage that we left with was you know, roughly 1,000 DPS when we, when we left the station. So I know, okay, we've got 1,000 DPS going downrange to that retribution. We're going to kill them in X amount of time. This comes with experience of, of being on grid. But if you only hear one person say damage on, then you think that you only have half your amount of DPS on this target. Then you've got to kind of zoom out, corral in the two other people that are not able to apply from that range, figure out why they're not able to apply. And if, and if they're not talking, then it's very difficult to get that movement and coordinate fire because we're not trying to beat through Lodgy. We're trying to very quickly nullify a target that's coming in uh, at us. And then uh, sometimes when, when we're on grid, you know, Blood or Feral or anyone else in the group, I, I always tell them, especially when we get a new person in the group, if a Stabber or a Jaguar or an MJD happens or something and you are about to get tackled, please talk right over me and let me know the situation that's happening and so we can adjust and coordinate and fix it. Um, communication on those grids quickly and concisely and... Uh, affirmatively or loudly, if you will, to, to let people know important things that are going on are, uh, are, are, one, are one of the better aspects of the game to me. When, when people are really communicating, it makes being the fewer of the many on grid uh, really fun. Yeah, I think that call and response is, is kind of like the one of the keys that people often forget, it, you know, kind of just even if you're just putting damage on, just saying, I have damage on that, or no, I can't, I'm out of range. And, you know, as you fly with people, you'll like learn their voices or whatever, or just say, blood's out of range. Uh, and that may change the priority on what you're shooting. Um, you know, it may be that, that you know, that thing is going to be too difficult to kill with only two people and you might need to switch to something that is an equal amount of a threat but maybe easier to kill or it may be that may be the difference in the decision of oh well then we need to start getting safe like it's not you know it might be a more of a conversation and not like an fc yelling warp off but it may be like okay uh well then hey uh you know so and so pull, pull more range let's let's play safe let's get the other guys back into range and then we'll commit to the retribution or something and yeah. that is just like that call and response is pretty important. Um, and 
pro tip for anyone who's uh, worried about getting their friends dunked in a small gang. In my opinion, if you're on grid, you should try to keep yourself safe because there's only a few of you and your friends need you to stay alive. Uh, so if you're worried about being the FC and getting your four friends dunked by some other team and they get scram scram tackled because they couldn't warp off, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's okay to relax a little bit about that and be like, I wish you would have just warped rather than waiting for me to tell you to be safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with small gang. Like the FC really isn't in charge of the fleet and there really isn't it there isn't an FC. Anyone's allowed to speak. And some of like some of the common things you'll hear in our gangs are are people saying like, Oh, uh, like okay, Farrell's off grid, I gotta warp. And everyone knows I'm warping because if I don't, I'm gonna fucking die. Um you know, and then alternatively to that, it's it's who's a good warping for me to come back? And people are saying, me, I'm good, I'm 70 off, warp, warp me kind of thing. You're going to hear people calling like common align points and no, the align point is in the out gate. The align point is maybe not even an area in space. It could be like, okay, we're going to, we're aligning sun or we're aligning down. And it's not really, like I said, it's not an align point where you're holding that static align. It's the general way, direction that your fleet is going to kite on grid. Yeah, the flow of movement needs to be yeah. So you similar. may not be just burning straight down. You might be doing circles straight down so that you're pulling away at a speed that keeps you close enough to the targets to still hold point. You, yeah. I'm sure you guys, if you if you envision like a, a corkscrew, right? That's kind of the, the tra trajectory I'm imagining when I describe it. Yeah, down is my favorite position on grid. <laughs> yeah, burn down. <laughs> it is. And you're just gonna you're gonna hear everyone calling it like was mentioned. It is a conversation. It's not an FC giving directions. It's a conversation on how not to fucking die. And yeah, it's it's just it takes some getting used to. But um, you know, I I think it's also important not to like shit on people during a fleet. Not to say like, oh, you're fucking bad or that was a bad call. Like you're flying your own ship fly your ship, communicate what you're doing. And if a poor call was made, like let's talk about it after the fight. Let's communicate. Yeah, yeah. And and that communication it, after the fight is just as important as good communication during the fight in small gang. Like you need to reflect as a group as well, not just, you know, what you did, but reflect with your group. That is something I will definitely stress because, uh, because we are separated and we're not sitting right next to somebody. We, you know, shit can sometimes be talked more often. In online games, and that is something that uh, when I helped Griffiths and I made Chronos Ritual, I just absolutely would not tolerate. Um, because the reason it's talked amongst friends sometimes is because you're trying hard, if you will, or you want to win, and so people's competitive edge comes out, and that's when that you know the, the other part of of negativity can come out. But I. Uh, it makes the game so much more fun and tolerable if that that momentary sigh of disappointment when someone loses point and they were the only point, person who could hold it uh, in the gang at that moment is just that sigh of competitiveness and then it goes away. Because um, if you want someone to continue to fly with you, shitting on them continually and telling them that they're absolutely retarded is not a good way to do it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've, I've definitely 
made mistakes like that and uh i i do appreciate when people don't call me fucking terrible for it and like i'm not gonna lie there's a lot of that uh toxicity in small gang in different corps it is out there it's fairly prevalent and i know when people make mis- mistakes in you know fleet pvp uh similar things happen but you know it's just important to note that if you don't like that style of commu- communication that you can find a place that you know doesn't tolerate that or or uses it constructively is a better way to put it yeah so i i definitely like i've actually flown with some of those groups that do have kind of that toxic uh communication style and one thing i noticed is some of the more senior members ended up burning out and some of the more junior members ended up leaving like that's just kind of the reality of what i saw in those groups that had that kind of atmosphere and you know um not saying that's yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen a group that's like been successful long term with that kind of uh, communication style. But that's just my own kind of. It's not my play style, so obviously I, I didn't stay in there long term. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah. let's go through. Say we're on grid, and there's say the three of us, and uh, you know one of us is in an anti tackle t- ship, one of us is in a tackle ship, and one's in a damage ship. So we we don't really have support. Um, and a hostile gang jumps in. So, Jocastus, run us through that scenario. What are you going to be saying? So we're we're on a gate, um, and you know we see that there's a gang warping to the gate we're on, um, in the next system oh. over. Sure. Uh, so most of the time, I, I've had some idea of of something is coming, um, and so I'll, I'll I will have already told my gang, okay, we're gonna align towards this designated point um, in space. Most of the time, the sun. The sun has a bunch of celestial uh, celestial objects that you can warp to that aren't one thing. So you can warp to a moon or you can warp to an asteroid, you know, a bunch of asteroid belts and not get tackled alone. Um, the sun's a pretty good align point most of the time. Um, and uh, really what we're looking for in the beginning, because if any gang is chasing you, they're going to have tackle ships. And if you are the smaller of the groups, getting tackled is obviously very bad because you're not most likely not going to be able to shed that tackle. And I mean, when I say tackle, I mean scrammed and hard tackled and then run down by other things. Um, because if you, if you do get scrammed on grid, you have, you have moments to free that scram before something bigger gets a scram web on you. So you're, you're pulling a healthy range. And what I mean by that is if you're 200 kilometers off grid, no one's going to chase you. If you're, 20 kilometers from the grid, someone's going to spawn right on you and scram you. So you want to position yourself somewhere on grid that you are comfortable with and it gets closer as you experience it, but that people feel like they can get you. So most of the time, because you can spawn up to 20 kilometers from a gate, I'll put people 40 or 50 kilometers out because there's always the fear of a rapier or a... uh, you know, a 7,000 kilometer per second Jaguar that can get to you. Uh, and if you sit that close, people are going to start running after you. Then when those tackle ships start running after you, those are immediately your first priorities. And a lot of times what I like to do is tell people to lock something up and not shoot it immediately. Because what will happen is you'll you'll have someone shoot that target and it's still 60 kilometers from you. And the target takes a quarter of its shield damage and it turns around and runs away. So you have to play them for a moment and let those 
tackle ships come in and your whole goal is to stay close enough with the three of us to overwhelm that tackle ship very quickly and then move on to the next one. If you're being overrun, you can warp away and re-engage. That's the, that's the great part about kiting is you're not, hopefully you're not stuck there. Um, once you, so let's just say it was one tackle ship coming in. Once you clear that one tackle ship, a lot of times I'll tell people, okay, we're going to slow down and turn around and go below the gate is what they'll hear me say a lot of times. There's just a lot of room to play in there. Uh, EVE Online is designed as a three-dimensional space, but a lot of times it's played two-dimensionally sometimes. Uh, on a plane, everyone will just travel along the, you know, the, the plane between the sun and the gate and, and other gates. Um, but there's a lot of room to move around up and up up and below, which I know is not a revelation, um, but it uh, it's fun space to move around in. So we'll, we'll go and then we'll travel below the gate and we'll see what else will get enticed enough by us being close enough to shoot at to come out from their gang a little bit and then engage. Yeah, I think kind of to sum it up, the first priority is positioning. And then the second priority is essentially threat priority. So the things that pose the biggest threat are support or are tackle. Um, they can they can either tackle your small things, which is not good because then your you know your tackle ships are limited. They can tackle your big things, which is not good because then big things die. Um, and and so the tackle is the highest threat essentially to your gang. Yeah. And then after that is probably support or projected DPS depending on what it is. I mean, I don't know. Like, there's certain support ships that I, I'd say, like, 100%, like, they are the scarier thing. You got to kill them first, like a rapier or something, or a carries. Um, I, I think that this could this could nook and cranny its way into, like, 80,000 speeches. But basically... Yeah, it is very right? situational. Basically, basically the... Uh, the first time you're on a kiting grid with your friends who are, are learning as well, this is what's going to happen. Things are going to jump in, and the three or four or five of you are going to spread 200 kilometers in different directions because you're running from the pursuing fleet. I, I, I did this, and the the main thing that you want to do is use your mouse wheel, zoom out a little bit, notice where your friends are going, and attempt to stick to that align point together. Because the DPS that you have in your small gang is is really peanuts if you're if you're spread eighty kilometers between each one of you, uh, so you have to stay together, um, and that's that's the first thing. And then whatever comes in range is the target, and then you move to re-engage once once you have the once you have the field. Or and what I mean by that is you're not being overrun by tackle. Yeah, and you being close to the other people in your group. That in itself can be a deterrent to ships getting too close. Um, you know, you being able to apply damage to the same targets that the other people are able to apply damage to is very important. So that that group positioning, as you get more experienced, is really key. Um, and that's what helps the group survive. That's uh, what helps you get kills. <laughs> uh, pretty pretty important. Yeah, and then the last thing, like, as you get more nuanced, I think you start to think about what do you, how do you weigh the threat something poses 
with the time it will take to kill it and choosing where that specific ship lines up in your your priority list of ships on grid to kill that's very true um because if there is if there is a threat on grid um that can't project like an oracle is bad for small gang uh uh, a long Cerberus is bad for small gang, a rapier. But if if they don't have something like that that you don't have to neutralize or run away from, there are a lot of ships on grid that you can just ignore while you beat up the other ships. Um, all, all that comes with, with time and being on grid. Um, but if, if there's a Dominix in and amongst this pursuing gang that releases ogres after your ships that move 3,000 meters per second, there's no reason to worry about that Dominix at all. Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes my favorite thing to fight is battleships. Now, they, they take a while to kill, and they can be dangerous. They can have heavy newts that reach out pretty far, and they can MJD on top of your gang or away from your gang. But um, But really, in terms of just general kiting, they are not going to be super fast most of the time, and they're going to have a hard time catching you. Some can apply really well and project very far, like Leshax and Nightmares, but a lot of the other ships, like you just mentioned, a Dominix, a Praxis, Hyperion, like those are going to be difficult to kill. They're going to take some time to wear down. But if you're fighting and there's some other cruisers on grid, you can pretty much just run around the Praxis or run around the Dominics and like ignore them and kill the cruisers and then be like, all right, cool. Like everything else on grid is dead. Now let's kill this thing. Yeah. We'll, we'll have times where, I mean, you, you, you would think because of the price of the ship or something that it would be a priority. Oh God, we have to, we have to get that off the grid. Like uh, a, a Legion, let's say a, a beam Legion lands on grid or something. Okay, sure, we start shooting the Legion, but if a Caracal lands, most of us are in frigates. So there's no reason for us to keep shooting this beam Legion that is hitting zero people on grid and let a rapid light Caracal just sit there while we try to break the more expensive ship. Yeah, uh, it's like the, they may be similar threat level, but you know, in that situation, the Caracal, similar threat, easier to kill. Like... <laughs> And that's that's when you hope that one of your guys is just good enough to hold points on the Legion while you kill the Caracal. Yeah, exactly. All right, so that kind of sums up the communication. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add to, to that kind of topic? I think that's the one of the most fun parts about Small Gang is the communication and when you get that good team feeling. And the only way to get that team feeling is to talk. And a lot of EVE PvP is undock do what you're told and uh don't don't muck up comms so if you have the opportunity to fly with some friends and do that it's it's very fun you definitely want to keep it clean and concise to the point quick um and not go on about you know insig- uh, insignificant information basically just keep it clean all right, so let's get into some uh, kind of recent fight storytelling time. Uh, Blood, why don't you go first? Yeah, so I tried to solo a gate camp. Um, I died, <laughs> but it was a very it was a good learning experience. So um, a lot of the guys in our corp fly shield kikimoras that are like five mn, 
Um, they're very agile. They put a ton of DPS out. They track great. Uh, and I just haven't been feeling super comfortable with them. I think I play too aggressively when I fly one. And so I just felt like because of the way I flew it, uh, you know, terribly, that it was, I was, damage was sticking to me too much. And I, I didn't have as much room for error um, as I like. And so I wanted to try out a Tenement Kikimura, and it's nothing new. People have flown them a lot. And so uh, I found this gate camp near Mar, and I jumped in and out a couple of times. Um, and like I would just burn back to gate. I was trying to get information because there were two Damovics, a Carries, an Exec, an Orthrus Omen Navy issue, and Confessor. So I was trying to figure out, okay, what is the scariest potential thing? What, you know, do certain ships have webs, what have you? And essentially, I determined that the carries was just sitting at zero to scram things. Um, the exec was just constantly repping the carries and probably wouldn't chase in any way. The two demovics, one of them was actually remote repping the other one. Um, and at no point did they, like, come in or put, they they had scrams but not i never got webbed so i felt like pretty confident being able to get away like off gate so after jumping back a couple times i then came in and i burned straight away towards a celestial and um the initially i think they shot at me a, a little bit but then everything stayed pretty much on the gate except the orthrus and the orthrus came out so as the orthrus came out to about a hundred um, I was able to start putting damage on him and I started ramping and I actually tanked through the first clip and uh, he was getting into armor and I felt very confident. So uh, I turned back, which brought my speed way down um, and I essentially started committing kind of much harder and stuff started warping up and the stuff that warped up didn't really end up being of much consequence. What really killed me was turning and bringing my speed down. A lot of what would allow me to live against Northrus and had allowed me to live in the early portion of the fight was keeping my speed really high and a low signature radius. And um, and the Orthrus, when his clip came off reload, I was maybe at half my speed because I was still coming around this, this long kind of turnaround. And uh, as he was in about half structure, I ended up dying. So uh, it was actually a really fun fight. And there's another fit that has two reps that I might eventually try out if I feel like I'm not flying it well or, you know, I want something that's a little bit more committed. But as far as our small gang stuff in Nullsec, I actually feel like it would be pretty well um, suited for that. I think the Orthrus is probably like one of the tougher things that I could have chose to engage. Uh, and I felt like it survived pretty decently there. and. Um, yeah, I, I had fun regardless with it and learned from it. So that was kind of cool. But looking back, I was like, did I really expect to like solo like eight dudes camping a gate? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, eh, maybe I, uh, maybe I was a little too aggressive again. <laughs> this would be the story <laughs> nice. of my life. Uh... Nice. Uh, Jocastus, do you have anything? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I always enjoy the good uh, enemy ship warps to Astro House and sits at the edge of Tether, and I get the opportunity to try to MJD 
bump them out of tether, which is just a funny thing to do where you gain speed out from like 180 kilometers or something and then just do the math of how fast you're going and then times 10 seconds and hit the MJD so that you spawn 5k from them and just absolutely <laughs> ram your shit right into them off uh, tether um, which is uh, a, a pretty enjoyable game for me um, because it it has a pretty big risk reward where you're putting yourself at zero with something that, you know, if it has a scram sino, uh, you uh, you might die. But uh, it's, just, it's just fun to bump them. And then um, I, I went in to tackle a Kikimora in my Retribution, which uh, doesn't have a assault damage control on it, um, which I think I, I, it would have been more comfortable if it did. And good lord, the Kikimora just absolutely like sliced right through me. Those things are absolute monsters, and um, uh, like it, 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 I'm glad my wife wasn't home because she would just heard me screaming like a little girl as this thing was just <laughs> cutting through my retribution. I was trying to hold point while other people caught up. Um, and that's just more of a story of how how, how good that ship is, but. Uh, it was just an ex- an exciting moment when you're dipping into structure with no structure at all, and basically on the retribution and trying to hold point and uh, warping off at the last moment. Once do you carry exile in your retribution? I actually do. Uh, the benefit I've I've found outweighs the uh, the penalties tremendously because if I really actually have to use it, uh, like I carry improved exile in there most of the time and, and improved and in standard and if i'm going in on something i think's gonna need a little bit more tank I'll just, I'll just pop the improved and take this take the penalty because i'm probably only in a tank for like five seconds anyway yeah i mean coupled with the uh with the dead space rep that a lot of us run it it heats really well and then the exile bonus just multiplies on the heat bonus and it does help you're you're right. They are still very fragile. Yeah, I think the shiny retry really shines with snakes. But when I, if I'm not flying snakes, or even if I am flying snakes, and I just want to be more comfortable, I pref- my personal preference is the ADC, like having it available for that moment when a Northrus starts shooting me, and I can just be like, nope, <laughs> pop it and run away. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So in that case, Tracastis, did the Kikimura end up dying? Uh, it did. Um, I was able to hold point just just kind of long enough uh, for someone else to grab it while they were catching. Uh, they, as in our, our our gang, catching up to the Kikimura, and, and I could warp away. Nice. Yeah, it's fun. So my story kind of has a Triglavian theme. It started with a one of our null six statics uh, close to curse, and this is going back like a good eight nine days ago now. And I was flying my super shiny uh, Icky that I that I have fit up now, kind of getting a feel of that. And, uh, you know, we kind of roaming around. I don't know how many. There's probably four or five of us, I think. And we ended up going into the, the pocket that Frat uh, hangs out in in Curse. And uh, fuck, did they ever throw a big response at us. And uh, I, I kind of was in a bad spot when we scattered. We had a fight. But I ended up being in a bad spot. And I couldn't. They had sabers and stuff. And I couldn't warp to the gate i was like i i don't feel comfortable warping to the gate um so i warped to one of the stations because curse is npc nullsec 
and I docked up. And that proved to be a move that was going to keep my key, my icky there for a little while because, man, we tried to bust out of there half hour later, an hour later. I logged in the next morning, nine hours later. And, uh, and man, they like they had Aletto and Saber on the gate the second they saw me in local every single time. And I was talking to one of the dudes, and he's like, yeah, we just really want to get an icky kill. Content so magnet, man. Yeah, we caught we talked about content magnets earlier. This icky was a content magnet in the wrong way. I just wanted to get home. So I ended up just saying fuck it. Um and jump cloned and got back into uh, our chain through high sec. But the important part is I left my snakes there. Uh, I had snakes in Mackie, so now I had no snakes. So so uh the next day I decided I'd take out uh a Drekovic. Um but with no snakes. So I was, I was solo roaming. I logged on. I got home from work late. And I just kind of... Well, I was solo. I was dual boxing. I had a tackle alt. And this Drekovic, uh, a court mate actually gave me. So the fit was a little different from um, how I would have normally fit it. But I wanted to roll with it. And it was really agile and fast. It was like a dual nano and a poly and a hyperspatial. So I warp in and I tackle the VNI with my Ishtar... Or with my... Sorry, my uh, stiletto. Brought my Drek in finished it off it was actually bait fit scram web but i kited well and didn't get tackled but as he was you know half dead i saw stuff coming up on my d scan um so one was a saber i saw saber so i was like okay like this is this is going places and there was also a um oh well i can't remember the name of it now the t1 vedmac there's a vedmac and then there's a bunch of other small shit coming in later so uh, the saber actually landed like really close to me, burned at me. I'm locking him up. The VNI is just dead. I load a cult and heat, and uh, I don't. I only have a long point on this Drek. It's an MJD, so I can't get the MJD off because he got me scrammed. There's a bubble up, and I'm just heating and praying, right? And sure enough, he goes down as the uh, Vedmac is landing on the edge of the bubble. And I managed to get some heated MWD cycles off to get away from the VEDMAC. And there was too much other stuff landing behind him. They had some fast tackle that I wasn't comfortable in that grid anymore. Um, so I left, and they kind of followed. And I sparred with them a little bit. Um, got a couple jumps out. And uh, I had asked in, in Corp Chat, like, hey, I got a fight coming back to our static. Uh, anyone want to come help? So a dude came out in Macarial. And uh, so I kind of had the fight, had them following me, jumped in where our Macarial was there. Aligned out and started calling targets. Um, unfortunately, the Macarial was a little uh, MWD happy. He pulled a little bit too much range. So I, uh, when I jumped in, he was like 100 off me. Um, and it was just a little too far. I was expecting more damage application than a Macarial at 100. Like Macarial at 50, would 60 would have been would have, would have been a little better. So I ended up losing my Drek, but we killed a Stiletto and a Hakate on the way, on the way down, which they just evaporated. Um, they did have some heavier ships there, uh, an Orthrus, two Orthruses, the Vedmac, a Cinnable, and an Osprey Navy issue. So it was a fun fight. Um, ended up losing my Drekovic. Now we fast forward a couple days later, and I jump clone back to my Snakes and my Ikatursa that I had mentioned. And uh, so I ended up getting it back in the hole. But on the way back, I ended up tackling an Orca, which <laughs> which was an easy frag, but... Uh, but it was, it was just <laughs> nice, like the, the you know when you get camped into a pocket and you have to jump clone. Sometimes it's for a reason. So we uh, we got a one bill orca kill on my way back to uh, to our null six static that ended up being you know only ten jumps from where I was camped into a week before. So it all pays off in the end. It's awesome. 
so yeah that's the show guys um we got a couple of things we want to just touch on uh before we say goodbye uh the first is uh we want to try and ask the audience so we've been getting lots of really good feedback from you guys and uh super happy blood and i are really grateful you guys take the time to message us and give us feedback so uh how about you message us with this what will become the most prevalent nullsec ratting ship now that the vni pve's capability got fucking dumpstered i'm i'm super happy that it's getting this rework and it's not even like just a straight nerf like i actually think the new vni is going to be pretty strong uh for pvp but it's very goal oriented that it's going to be towards pvp um the bonuses and things i mean there might be some people who still use it for some sort of pvp pve aspect but um it's it's not going to have the sheer drone uh, damage output that it used to and uh so i i think it looks really fun um it does look very fun i agree with you it looks like it'll be a good pvp ship but just PvE capability gutted. So thankfully, I was super tired of seeing those everywhere. So yeah, let us know what you guys think the most prevalent Nulsec like ratting ship will be. Subcap ship, post-change. And then uh, I want to thank Jocastus for coming on the show. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed his presence. Uh, we meet Blood and I always enjoy his presence. That's why we're in corp with him. So. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks for having me. Oh, can I, can I add one, Absolutely. one thing before, before I go that I think I think is important? Uh, you, you may not you may not get kills in it, but it is the reason that a small gang gets kills most of the time. If you become a good interceptor pilot, which a lot of people think interceptors are flimsy and they die all the time, but it's one, arguably one of the more sustainable and survivable ships on grid. If 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 you fly an interceptor, you'll you'll learn more about kiting uh, and positioning than you will um, in other ships, and you'll be a content provider. Uh, so that's a fun, uh, a fun thing to learn. Absolutely, I yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't say enough well, with that. Yep. If you can fly an interceptor well, you know they're cheap, and uh, they'll, you'll learn a ton. I second that. Anyway, but yes, thank you for having me very much. You guys have a lovely show, and I was glad to be a Thanks, part man. of it. And just a couple uh, kind of shoutouts, community shoutouts. Um, there was a couple of videos that dropped in the last few weeks. Uh, two are super cool small gang commentary videos. One uh, by one of our courtmates, Nith, and another one by AP, uh, Flying an Artie Wolf. Super cool videos. Uh, I'll put them in the show notes. Please check them out. The third video we wanted to shout out is a video by uh, Soldier Forrester. I think I pronounced your name correctly. Uh, it's all about the reality of small gang. He's a dude that's in a Hydra. Um, so it kind of shows... Yeah, like every so often we have this rad fight every two weeks that looks super impressive and is super fun. But most of the time we're just roaming around ganking shit and it kind of shows, you know, ganking shit and getting capitals dropped on us and running. So it kind of shows that uh, that perspective, which is really cool. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's just like people are kind of getting to the same frustration point or if it's just the time of the year with it being summer or what have you. But I feel like there's kind of just the last month and a half to two months, there's kind of been a surge in the small game community of just kind of like pushing for more, like desiring more. And, and maybe it's because we're frustrated with certain aspects of the game or whatever, but that's, you know, been part of the motivation for us creating a podcast. Um, AP had made videos in the past that were great, but I think this was the first time he's doing a commentary one, kind of explained th- some thought process there. Nith is trying out this new format and that's been really good. Um, another like notable thing that kind of popped up, and I think we'll talk about it in the future, is Suetonia kind of posted this um, 
analysis or kind of thought about the the in part a response to what's going on with the triglavian or the drifter uh attacking citadels in in delve and other areas and kind of why it feels like people are kind of rooting for the drifters <laughs> and like and uh and and also kind of then touching on citadels and stuff and so it's been really cool too um Setonia is a fantastic small gang like content creator uh, immensely knowledgeable pilot probably like one of the most knowledgeable about game mechanics um was a csm member and and he just he didn't run last this this year for csm he, he was on csm previously uh and yeah so we'll, we'll link that and i i think as we kind of have more opportunity to kind of read it and think about it we may talk about that a little bit more but that might be tied into some other topic like citadels as a whole or or something else so um yeah but those are all really cool content pieces that have come out recently and so we wanted to pass them on and highlight them shout them out what have you and so support other content creators that's another part of what we're hoping to accomplish all right guys so with that just remember it's not the size of your gang it's how you use it Boom, shakalaka.